Hi, it's Lisa. Welcome back to The Healing Path, a podcast created to connect our broken hearts as we journey into honest conversations about grief and loss in our daily lives. Following the deaths of two of my children, I struggled for many years to fill the holes in my heart. I felt like I tried everything. Prayer, meditation, therapy, coaching, reading, journaling, waiting, begging, (laughs) you name it. Plus, I tried a few less productive approaches. And after two decades of continuing to grieve, it occurred to me that maybe I'd set the wrong goal. Instead of trying to feel better by filling those painful voids, I have learned that building a life around them is a much more attainable target. Speaking openly about my experience of grief and helping to support others to do the same serve as regular reminders that we are not alone. When we allow all the parts of us to have an expression of life, including the painful ones, we may just feel more human and less like robots on autopilot. So I created the Healing Path podcast with the hope that sharing our stories in a mutually compassionate environment will help us to stop working so hard to hide our scars from ourselves and others and start wearing them proudly as the medals of love that they are. So again, welcome and thank you for joining this episode of The Healing Path. Today, I'm chatting about getting offended in the workplace, specifically in sales and or the golf course. This post is entitled, On Being a Commodity, and we're looking at human behavior in two very different work environments. Last weekend on Father's Day, we were watching the U.S. Open. The talk of the moment seemed to be less about the tournament and more about the PGA Tour agreeing to merge with Saudi-backed rival Live Golf. This change was kept quiet as most mergers and acquisitions are, until it came to fruition. Once that happened, I started hearing some familiar rhetoric from some of the best golfers in the world. The commentary from several individuals was something along the lines of, I had no idea. I was not told anything. This is a shock. How could this happen without my knowledge and or consultation? I've heard these complaints before, not from golfers, but from professional salespeople. During my role as sales leader in the legal support industry for roughly the last decade, I was engaged with several mergers and acquisitions. My job was always twofold, to hit revenue targets and, and this is a big and, keep team members engaged and away from competitors trying to exploit the transition. Sounds easier than it was. And the team members who brought the most resistance and challenges were the ones producing at the highest levels. When an individual sales professional is able to generate revenue for a company in the seven-figure and above range, a certain entitlement is also claimed by that person. Their sense of self-importance grows wild because along with such an accomplishment can come massive ego explosion. 
Suddenly, the elite sales force believes that their contributions, and therefore they, are the center of that company's world. They begin thinking, without me, what are they going to do? I can take my revenue and my network of contacts anywhere I want. And this tone, it's actually a bit of a joke because non-compete agreements are usually in place to prevent salespeople from taking business and contacts with them to their next gig. But still, the elite seven-figure sales force see themselves as irreplaceable. They have no managerial tasks, nor do they shoulder day-to-day stressors of the business. (laughs) Yet, they believe themselves to be working elbow-to-elbow with the executive management team. They believe that they're besties with the CEO, the CFO, the COO, and on down the line. And in doing so, some individuals become so presumptuous that they're like bullies trying to get their way by throwing their weight around. So what does this have to do with PGA and Live Golf? Well, nothing really, except my understanding that when people believe themselves to be more important than they are, they start getting offended at the thought of not being part of the power nucleus that makes major decisions. When acquisitions and mergers took place, it was often these elite salespeople that were just straight up pissed. They would complain, I can't believe no one told me this was coming. Or, seriously, I don't agree with this. I should have been consulted. And again, maybe I will take my talents and contacts elsewhere. And there it is. Human nature showing up in two completely different arenas, but in the exact same way. Just as my former salespeople let themselves get offended that no one consulted them of an upcoming structure change, the PGA golfers were having the same reaction. Why didn't anybody tell me? And in the moment of becoming offended, the salespeople and the golfers realize in no uncertain terms that they are, in a sense, a commodity. Though most of their days were spent living on top of the proverbial heap, these business decisions made independently of them brought them back down to earth. In case they thought they were actually elite, they now realize that at the end of the day, they're just a revenue number in the bigger game of profitability. I don't share this dynamic lightly. I know what it feels like to be acquired, both as an unknowing sales professional and also as a sales leader anticipating most of what was happening. This is true in acquisitions also. And in my experience, no one likes to be left out of the loop. But only certain personality types expect that they will always be at the decision-making table. And when they are not, they feel befuddled, overlooked, unimportant beyond the revenue they contribute. And in that moment, they feel like a commodity. Their egos are bruised because the truth can hurt. 
And the truth is that in a for-profit enterprise, we truly are only as valuable as the revenue we generate. I don't find this offensive. Mostly, I find it encouraging because I know that I can keep my position as long as I bring in the dollars. So the expectations are clear and I know what to focus on. But I also understand the disappointment of feeling that I'm part of something bigger than myself, only to find out that I am only as valuable as the financial contribution of my work. There's something that just feels crappy when we realize this. The energy in that environment can become apathetic and robotic even, which is why I chose to leave it two years ago. But my message today is intended to bring some relief to those of you who find yourself offended that you are ultimately just a number. This is the very nature of the for-profit system. As long as you're in the for-profit game, via sales, golf, or anything else that contributes revenue to a corporation, you are just a number. (laughs) You don't have to take it personally. You just need to produce and play the game. Those of us who are not offended that we are only as valuable as the utility of our contribution, don't waste time letting our egos get inflated. We focus on what it is that we do uniquely well and let that be our contribution. We stand firmly on our personal understanding of our self-worth. We don't give away our power by worrying about whether or not someone else grasps it. Once we know who we are from the inside out, we stop looking around for validation. So whether or not you're working as a commodity, you don't have to shrink because of it. Step into the strength of your individual human value. Own it. (laughs) Polish it and share it. And as long as you're defining your own worth and not leaving that function to people outside of yourself, (laughs) you may notice you don't get offended by anything. Plus, sometimes mergers and acquisitions can be the best thing since sliced bread. So thanks again for joining the Healing Path podcast. And this is just a fun uh, post when I was hearing the golfers, you know, complaining about being left out of the loop and um, how they weren't considered or no one gave them a heads up or they felt, you know, offended, insulted even. And it, I couldn't help but think about some of my sales team members during all the, I think there were four total, well, a minimum of three acquisitions um, where I was in the company that was acquired, but also we did quite a few acquisitions of our own. So getting offended, it's, it's just such a waste of time in general. But I felt like I wanted to write about this because these are people at the highest level of their game, the golf game, the legal support um, services, sales game. Anytime that we're selling, we have to understand that we're doing it for the company. We think we're doing it for ourselves. And if we get a commission check and some benefits and some vacation, awesome. But truly, I think we believe ourselves to be um, you know, individual business owners of our, our book of business. And that is just not the case. The companies own the contacts. 
the companies own the services. The companies own every department and the company certainly owns the relationship. And this is a really hard thing for sales people to get their arms around because again, this spirit of feeling all important and like, well, they can't live without me. I'd like to see them try. If you've ever watched Jerry Maguire, the movie that came out in, I think it was 96 or 97, one of my faves. Um, yeah, it's like Jerry Maguire is quitting and he says, or maybe he got fired, but he says, yeah, I'd like to see this place work without me for just one day. And, you know, that's the essence of um, entitlement and feeling all important because, of course, the minute he says that and the elevator doors close and they go down in the elevator, the whole office just picks back up where it left off. So I have to include a note as far as, you know, relationships and selling, I, I don't take the role of the trusted relationship between a sales professional and the client lightly. But what I'm saying is we should start from a place of this is a job and we should start from a place of I'm working to, you know, support the company. Yes, I want to get paid for it. But the idea that, hey, these are my contacts and you, we can't do anything without the company behind us. So you can sell to whoever you want for how much ever you want, wherever and whenever you want. But if you expect to deliver and have them continue as a client, you have to do stuff and you have to do stuff that you can't do. You have to send in support. We have to bill. We have to match up services with needs. It's very complicated, although can be lots of fun. The other thing I want to point out is that, you know, we go in business to evolve in general. And part of growth is mergers and acquisitions. So these decisions get made because ultimately, whether it's a little, you know, five people in a business or 500 people in a business, the goal is to grow and the goal is to access capital, you know, in a smart way. And so always companies are sort of redefining themselves and the companies that are solid and that are, you know, growing are the ones that are always looking out in the same way that we're looking out for professional salespeople. They're looking out for companies smaller that, you know, could be a good fit. So all that to say that we shouldn't be getting offended. In fact, whatever job we're doing, even if it's not revenue or contributing finances, it would be really helpful if we could just stay a little bit humble and remember that it's a job. So they're not there to make my job easier. The company is there to support whatever I can sell in that situation. And the same with golf. You know, they're not there to support the crowds and bring them drinks and food and, you know, make the grounds nice. They're there to play and that's it. And that's what they get paid the big bucks to do. But if they're thinking that they're all important, they will necessarily find themselves uh, perhaps in a situation they weren't expecting. So I'd like to connect this conversation with grief. And where I will connect it is in the offended um, experience. Because I think when people die, we as grievers, I mean, it goes two ways. We as grievers, you know, if someone says, oh, it must be hard to live without your daughter. Um, but she was only 13 months. So, you know, 
shouldn't be so bad. You know, no one will ever actually come out and just say that, but they kind of intimate it. And then you sit there and go, well, what the hell? Why do they say that? And you get, you get offended. You get, let yourself get exposed and hurt or ruffled or whatever. Meanwhile, if you interact with someone and you've had a loss and they don't say anything, <laughs> then we get offended that they didn't flip and say anything. So there's no way to win. And if you're around someone that's in grief, just know their, their emotions and I've been through this a number of times, unfortunately, you know, it's just raw. So nothing makes sense. We can't make the puzzle pieces fit. We're confused, we're hurting, we're scared, and we're we're not actually ourselves really by any stretch. And we only become ourselves again when we can reconcile the experience that we've had, in this case, a terrible experience with our current life. And those two things need to eventually be integrated together because they're both real. And the experience of loss and the experience of life are both, you know, real experiences. So ultimately, we want to blend them. But don't get offended. If you're hurting and someone says something or doesn't, I would just say, don't give away your power, period. If you're the one grieving, don't allow something that someone says or doesn't say, you know, influence how you're dealing with your grief journey. And on the flip side of that, you know, if you're not grieving and maybe you always had a lunch date with someone every Friday or something and then they had a loss and now, you know, it's been three months since they were able to meet you for lunch, don't get offended. They're trying to find their way. So I would say, if anything, we want to keep in mind, you know, as far as what grief is and just remember that we're here to support one another, not to take things personally and I have found, you know, watching and training and managing and coaching dozens and dozens of sales professionals, as well as, you know, our own teams of, you know, caregivers and drivers and vendors bringing special medical supplies and all those things that that all takes management. And the people that do the best in the work environment are the ones that understand why we call work work. And if you're blending your work and your personal life to the point where you can't pull them apart, it might be a good time to take a step back and really just identify what it is that you do really well and focus on that and focus on honing that skill and sharing it. But also just remembering the humility of it all. Unless it's your name on the company, it's a job. And as much as you may feel part of things, and that's great. And for people like me who actually care quite a bit about people, both on the client side and on the team side, you know, that's we're, we're the kind of people that I guess get promoted into management because we have a bigger picture and we have an ability to see the vision of the company and to be flexible and to try to help others get on board with that same thing. So don't get offended. <laughs> Don't get offended if you're hurting and someone doesn't say the right thing. And don't get offended if somebody blows you off, if you know that they've had some kind of major loss or life change, even a job change for that matter. And in the workplace, as long as you're not being asked to do something unconscionable or illegal, you probably need to just smile <laughs> and do it. That would be my advice because the people that smile and do it are happier. They're just happier people. So I don't know if this has been helpful, but I thought it was a fun post to write. And I 
Hope if you have any uh, feedback or questions or comments, of course, you'll hit me up at lisamcfarland.com or, you know, questions, comments. My email address is info at lisamcfarland.com and I love to hear from you. And in the meantime, until we meet again, let's do our best to stay present, to stay grateful and to stay healing. And as always, I sincerely thank you for listening.